Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mystic Show. I'm happy to be here this morning. We record the show, well, we broadcast the show live every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And we actually replay the show on the Fractal Stream, which is where you're listening to us live right now. We rebroadcast it at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. every day. So the, we do the show in the morning, we replay it twice at night for the benefit of all our brothers and sisters around the world who, <laughs> when I do the show live, they might be in deep sleep in the middle of the night. So, themysticshow.net. That's our website, themysticshow.net. And this is the show where we talk about spirituality, meditation, mindfulness, and really all of the subtle parts of life that don't always get as much attention as they should get. We're usually worried about outer things like money, girlfriends, uh, and whatnot. Boyfriends, husbands, wives, family members. So the Mystic Show is all about each one of us being on a journey to becoming a mystic or a saint. It was interesting. I was giving a speaking engagement the other night, and I happened to mention this show, The Mystic Show. And someone said, well, what is the show about? So I explained that it's about spirituality and mindfulness and, you know, for people who are on the path of spiritual elevation, who want to become mystics and saints. And this one gentleman, he he said, wait, wait, excuse me, what? He said, you, you people are going to become saints or something? And he, I said, yeah, well, we're, hopefully we can all become like that. Absolutely, yes. And he was, I think he was just a little almost shocked that a human being would aspire to become a mystic or a saint or a perfect human being, whatever you want to call it, or a master of themselves. Um, and it, it brought to my mind again this fact that we're so... It's so ingrained in us that, you know, mostly for people who are grown, brought up in religions, especially in my case as a Catholic, you know, just go to church on Sunday and that's it. Everything's fine. That's all you have to do. And that's about it. So I think most people in the world don't even take it... Uh, seriously that you can become a better person you can become a divine person you can reach spiritual levels in your life that these great 
teachers of the past told us about, you know, the Buddha, Jesus. I mean, Jesus specifically said, I have to find the verse as well. I have to find the verse, but basically he says, each of you can achieve what I have achieved and even more. And we know he wanted, he wanted people to emulate him, not worship him, right? Worshiping him does no good for the person, but emulating him, trying to understand his teaching and, and most importantly, trying to live it, that's the most important, almost the most important message that I think Jesus was trying to give to the world, It's not really surprising that in the modern day, we that um, very few people think like that, that we should strive to achieve a very, very high spiritual goal, not just going to church on Sundays or going to the temple and offering prayers, something way beyond that. And let's face it, not everyone in the world is ready for that kind of journey, They're not ready to aspire to that, and that's okay. And that's why there's all different paths. There's religion, there's meditation, there's spirituality. There's even, uh, you know, self-help, personal development. Everybody's getting what they need on their own journey. And hopefully, they're sort of cooperating with their journey and 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 moving towards becoming a better person consciously because if we're if we're just if we're not really conscious of the fact that we need to become better people and and things like that then we don't get to cooperate with the process so my my spiritual guide talks about this all the time that he can help us and that's what he's there for. But the whole process can become much more effective if we cooperate with it. I mean, this is just simple common sense. I mean, imagine trying to teach a, you know, trying to teach a child multiplication and the child literally is not even looking at the paper or listening to you. And they... They're telling you, I don't even want to learn this. I don't care. But meanwhile, you're sitting there trying to explain, you know, three times four is 12. And the, and it's just not working. So the, because the child is not cooperating. But if the child cooperates and says, okay, I want to learn this. And the child listens to the teacher and tries to do it. And thinks a little bit, asks a question maybe then the child is cooperating and obviously it's going to learn the multiplication much sooner and much better. So we've been reading from this James Allen book and I, I, I know you guys have been enjoying this because this, this is a wonderful book called Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. He was a mystic 
in England more than 100 years ago. And we're reading chapter four called Burden Dropping. And the whole idea is that we each carry around a lot of baggage, a lot of weight on our shoulders. You know, we sort of complain about the the things we have to do in our life, the things maybe we don't want to do, but we have to do. So it feels like a burden. And James Allen, we, we read the first half of this chapter yesterday, and it, he was talking about uh, two different women, two different women's lives. One woman was very busy all day long and also taking care of other people, but she had a good attitude. And even though she was very busy doing a lot of work, it didn't seem like a lot of work and and she 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 was happy to do it meanwhile another person another the other woman was a was more of a rich woman who didn't really do that much and didn't have a good attitude either and so anything that she had to do she thought it was a chore and a burden and you know she thought her circumstances were trying circumstances and all this stuff so he was kind of showing us that the attitude which we bring to our work is very important. And I think he's going to finish up that point here. So let's let's finish this uh, chapter. It's a great one. It's called Burden Dropping. And it's from Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. When a man who has recently taken up the study of some branch of theology, religion, or occultism, says, If I had not burdened myself with a wife and family, I could have done a great work. And had I known years ago what I know now, I would never have married. I know that that man has not yet found the commonest and broadest way of wisdom, for there is no greater folly than regret, and that he is incapable of the great work which he is so ambitious to perform. If a man has such deep love for his fellow men that he is anxious to do a great work for humanity, he will manifest that surpassing love always and in the place where he is now. His home will be filled with it, and the beauty and sweetness and peace of his unselfish love will follow wherever he goes, making happy those about him and transmuting all things into good. The love that goes abroad to air itself and is undiscoverable at home is not love. It is vanity. Have I not seen, O pitiful sight, the cheerless home and neglected children of the misguided missioner and religionist? It is on such self-delusion as this 
that self-pity and self-martyrdom ever wait. And its self-inflicted misery is regarded by the deluded one as a holy and religious burden which he or she is called upon to bear. Only a great man can do a great work, and he will be great wherever he is, and will do his noble work under whatsoever conditions he may find himself when he has unfolded and revealed that work. Thou who art so anxious to work for humanity, to help thy fellow men, begin that work at home. Help thyself, thy neighbor, thy wife, thy child. Do not be deluded until thou dost with utmost faithfulness the nearer and the lesser thou canst do the farther and the greater. If a man has lived many years of his life in lust and selfish pleasure, it is in the order of things that his accumulated errors should at last weigh heavily upon him, as, until they are thus brought home to him, he will not abandon them, will not exert himself to find a better life. But while he regards his self-made, self-imposed burdens as holy crosses imposed upon him by the Supreme, or as marks of superior virtue, or as loads which fate, circumstances, or other people have heaped undeservedly and unjustly upon him, he is but lengthening out his folly, increasing the weight of his burdens, and multiplying his pains and sorrows. Only when such a man wakes up to the truth that his burdens are of his own making, that they are the accumulated effects of his own acts, he will cease from unmanly self-pity and find the better way of burden-dropping. Only when he opens his eyes to see that his every thought and act is another brick, another stone, built into the temple of his life, will he develop the insight which will enable him to recognize his own unstable handiwork, the unflinching manliness to acknowledge it, and the courage to build more nobly and enduringly. Painful burdens are necessary, but only so long as we lack love and wisdom. The temple of blessedness lies beyond the outer courts of suffering and humiliation, and to reach it, the pilgrim must pass through the outer courts. For a time, he will linger in the outer, but only so long as, through his own imperfect understanding, he mistakes it for the inner. While he pities himself and confounds suffering with holiness, 
he will remain in suffering. But when, casting off the last unholy rag of self-pity, he perceives that suffering is a means and not an end, that is the state self-originated and self-propagated. Then, converted and right-minded, he will rapidly pass through the outer courts and reach the inner abode of peace. Suffering does not originate in the perfect, but in the imperfect. It does not mark the complete, but the incomplete. It can, therefore, be transcended. Its self-born cause can be found, investigated, comprehended, and forever removed. It is true, therefore, that we must pass through agony to rest, through loneliness to peace. But let the sufferer not forget that it is a passing through, that the agony is a gateway and not a habitation, that the loneliness is a pathway and not a destination and that a little farther on he will come to the painless and blissful repose. Little by little is a burden accumulated, imperceptibly and by degrees is its weight increased. A thoughtless impulse, a gross self-indulgence, a blind passion yielded to and gratified again and again, an impure thought fostered, a cruel word uttered, a foolish thing done time after time, and at last the gathered weight of many follies becomes oppressive. At first, and for a time, the weight is not felt, but it is being added to day after day, and the time comes when the accumulated burden is felt in all its galling weight, when the bitter fruits of selfishness are gathered, and the heart is troubled with the weariness of life. When this period arrives, let the sufferer look to himself. Let him search for the blessed way of burden dropping, finding which he will find wisdom to live better, purity to live sweeter, love to live nobler, will find in the reversal of that conduct by which his burdens were accumulated, light-hearted nights and days, cheerful action, an unclouded joy. All right, we'll just take a break uh, after reading that chapter of James Allen called Burden Dropping. Let's ponder that for a moment.
Okay. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. That was a little interlude by Anya. Thank you to her. Maybe we can get her on the show sometime. Right? A lot of her music is spiritually oriented. So our website is themysticshow.net. You can find all kinds of good information there, including our phone number. You can call us when we're broadcasting live. We broadcast live every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we replay that show in the evening twice at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can call us at 973-498-8033. 973-498-8033. And if you have a question or a story, or we'd love to hear about your spiritual journey, where you started, why you started, where you'd like to go, what you'd like to achieve. I think some of the most helpful um, material for people on the journey of spirituality is to hear about the journey of other people and maybe some of the some of the obstacles that they've overcome and how they did it. Or maybe it's certain books that they read. Or maybe it's a situation within the family that was very difficult to handle, but they've figured out a way to handle it. So this kind of life experience is very helpful to the spiritual aspirant, in my opinion. So speaking of the spiritual journey, and I seem to be having a little, my nose isn't running, but I feel like a little nasally. I don't know if you can hear it. Um, but speaking of spiritual journeys, I went on a retreat about two years ago. Actually, it's more than two years now, which seems like a long time because I wanted to go back much sooner than two years or two plus years. So I went on a retreat and I went to this place, which is basically like, I mean, there's really no program. It's just like a house and, you know, different people can go there for a retreat and, you know, they sort of uh, work with you setting your expectations of what you want to achieve and everything. Um. And that's it. There's there's not much to do there except relax, sleep, right? How many of you listening to this wish you could just have a day where you could just sleep a lot? You know, take a nap or two or three and just relax for a day, right? Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> so... On this retreat, you could also walk around. There was a nice property. You could walk around. Um, you were not encouraged to leave the premises, um, like go into town or anything like that, or drive your car anywhere. Um, basically, when you go to this retreat, you you 
Either you get dropped off by a taxi cab or you drive your own car. I drove my own car and once once it's there and you turn it off, that's it. You don't get in your car again. And if you have any cell phones or electronic equipment, you just literally turn it off. You could even leave it in the car because you're not going to need it. it. This may sound kind of extreme, but as we've been talking about, this is this is the balancing of our lives. This is, we need, it's very helpful to balance all the activity with a good amount of rest and relaxation and repose and reflection, right? So that's what I did. I went there and my my stay there was actually 13 days. And it's funny because it, it, it's in Texas. It's in central Texas, actually Austin, Texas. And I live in New Jersey. So, so I did what any normal person would do. I drove to Texas. I mean, come on. What? You know, who, who needs to take a plane? I have a car. <laughs> so, so I drove, yeah. And yes, it takes about, let's say, 26 hours of driving. That's that's literally 26 hours of being on the highway going 70 miles an hour. That's not including stops and food and and you know, you have obviously you're not going to do it in one stretch. You could do it in 2 days, let's say 13 hours a day. That's kind of rough. I've done that before. I did that 10 years ago when I went to Texas. I I did it in 2 days, 2 13-hour days and it was kind of crazy, but I did it. Uh, this time I broke it into three days, so it was more like you know, about nine hours a day. Because um, I wasn't really in a rush, and you know, it's better to take it easy. You know, drive a little slower, go with the flow instead of trying to push, push, push. But when I was driving there, I was halfway through Arkansas. Because from Jersey, you have to go through. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, uh, North Carolina, then all the way across Tennessee. And then after Tennessee, I think, do you go into Arkansas immediately? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So I was halfway across Arkansas and all of a sudden, literally on a interstate highway, I think it's I-40, you know, you you all know the big interstate highways, right? Three, four lanes, people driving 70, 75 miles an hour. All of a sudden, tra- it started to get traffic. And I thought, okay, a little traffic. So the traffic came to a stop. And we were stopped on this interstate highway for literally three hours. Everyone just turned off their car and, I mean, luckily I had my smartphone. I could look up online and try and find out what the what the backup was. Um, I don't think I was big on Twitter back then, but I think if I used Twitter, I would have even found out sooner. That's one of the best uses of Twitter is when there's uh, 
real-time problems or real-time happenings. Anyway, this show's not about Twitter. <laughs> so what ended up, the reason the traffic stopped was that because the White River apparently overflowed onto I-40. <laughs> so literally, it, I think that was like some of the most severe flooding ever for the, the whole Mississippi Valley. And the Mississippi River flooded like crazy. And it was a really big problem. It was actually May of 2011. So if you're from that area, you probably remember that flooding. Um, I remember it because I was stuck on I-40 for three hours. And then to get around it, we had to drive up an hour north and then an hour back down south. So literally it took five and a half hours to to, to go almost no distance Anyhow, then I made my way into Texas, and actually, I have some relatives that live in Texas. Hi, Texas relatives from both sides of the family. So then I made it to the retreat, and like I said, I parked my car, and that's it. And the interesting thing is, when you try to especially in the beginning when you try to meditate or if you go on a retreat, there seems to be this few days, two or three or four days of literally where you're kind of like, one word I like to call it is decompressing. You're kind of like all bound up and tight and, you know, with stress and worry and, and, um, over the first two, three, or four days, you kind of relax and you loosen up. So I call it decompressing. And here's the funny part. Those of you who meditate or have been on a retreat know this, that you can go on a retreat and think that you're very relaxed, very calm, and very, you know, you can think you're already decompressed, but inevitably you go through another layer of decompression. So even though you think you're very relaxed and your mind is calm. It's really not. Which is exactly how we deceive ourselves on this spiritual journey. We try to judge ourselves and say, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. I'm relaxed. I'm a good person. <laughs> you know? But the problem is we can't really judge ourselves at all. You know? The eye cannot see itself. Your eyes can see other things, other people, but your eyes cannot see themselves. So it's hard for us to see ourselves. And by the way, that's the whole reason, one of the biggest reasons for having a spiritual guide or a mentor or a coach or anything like that in life, right? Happens in business all the time. People, they just can't... They can't see their themselves in their business. They need to hire a consultant to come in and help. So the first three days or four days, for me, it took about four days to really decompress and sleep. I slept a lot. And there's no shame in that. <laughs> you know, you think, oh, I should be on a retreat. I should be meditating and, you know, whatever. No, you should sleep. You should really just relax and catch up on your sleep. I think that's important, actually. Because after four days, I felt, I just felt 
not only more relaxed, but but more energetic and not energy like I wanted to jump around and play sports or anything. It was just a subtle energy of like the joy of living, you know, just a, it just very subtle. And they actually encouraged us. Well, really, I was one of the only people there. I think the facility can hold up to, I don't know, 10 people or maybe 12 people. But for the majority of my 13 days, I was the only one there, which I personally liked. I liked that. But if people were there, that's okay, too. I mean, there was basically they encourage you to basically keep silent unless it's absolutely necessary to talk. So if you have to say something to someone else, you can, but they don't encourage, you know, idle chit chat or gossiping or anything like that. Because that's one of the biggest ways that we just waste our time and basically ruin our condition in, in a way. So for the first four, for the first three days, they recommend that you don't read, you don't even read anything. So you just can sleep, meditate, and walk around, pretty much. <laughs> Which is so cool because, oh, and you can write in your diary. So, I mean, how, how many, do you write a diary? I'm curious. So writing a diary is one of the greatest tools for a spiritual journey. It really is, for so many reasons. We can talk about diary writing on another on another uh segment of the show but so after 4 days I was very much decompressed and I wrote in my diary a lot and um and then I started reading some books and I read let's see what did I read I read a copy of oh there's a book called Jesus Lived in India that was awesome Again, that's another segment. <laughs> um, I read the the Gita, which is the Bhagavad Gita. Um, what else did I read? I think I read The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. I think that's the author's name. And I maybe read one other one. I sort of opened the uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead, but I read like a page and I was like, eh. So I just put it down. Because it's funny, when you decompress a lot like that, like your intuition becomes so heightened and you're so aware of your intuition that it's not even... Like maybe in a normal situation, I would have tried to force myself to read 10 pages of that book because, oh, I I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to pick up a book and just put it down immediately. That's me giving up. That's me showing weakness. Well, when you're nice and decompressed and yourself as a human being, you can just say, your intuition tells you, no, you don't read this book. <laughs> and it's it's like, you know, it's like a message from the divine. Reminds me of that Wayne Dyer quote. He says, um, if prayer is when you're speaking to God, intuition is when God is speaking to you. So that's kind of interesting. 
So after about a week or 10 days, uh, or after about a week, I had the opportunity to attend a group meditation being conducted by, well, it was mostly people, it, it was all people who were not on retreat. So the people basically came from the local area into this little meditation hall and, and had a group meditation. And being on retreat, I had the option whether to attend this group meditation or not. And of course, I thought, well, of course I'll attend. Why not? You know, of course I want to, you know, that's why I'm here to meditate and everything. But let me tell you, I went into this group meditation and I've attended many, many, many group meditations over the years with this organization. And, you know, some are more deeper than others. Some, you know, they're all a little bit different, but it's a group meditation. And and that's that. But on this occasion, after being on my own retreat for about a week, almost a week, I just felt so sensitive and like I could just feel the atmosphere of the group meditation and I could just when I looked at people I could see that they were like they had that really that you know very active mentally and and still sort of carrying a lot of that subtle stress and worry you know like I said even they don't know that they're carrying it but they are um I could just feel all that and like I didn't even want to be in the same room with that with that atmosphere. So, but, and, and I sort of realized this by the end of the group meditation. So, um, the next week when they had another group meditation, I did not attend. Uh, but it just goes to show you how you can think you're sensitive and intuitive normally, but when you go on a retreat, all these things become very heightened. And you actually, for me, I was able to just go deeper within myself and get to know myself on a much deeper level. And again, to balance out my life of, okay, we have to live in the physical world. I have to have a job or a business. I have to, you know, I have to run my recording studio. I have to host my radio shows. That's fine. But on the other hand, it's nice when you balance it with, going deep into yourself. So I always encourage folks if, you know, they should definitely go on retreats from time to time, which brings up pauseyourlife.org. Pauseyourlife.org, they have meetups and retreats. And they also have an e- a nice email list on the website which will send you a quote every day an inspirational sort of spiritual quote for you to pause and ponder. So there's also a lot of interesting blog posts there by my wife and I and others. We also have a meetup group here locally in northern New Jersey, the Pause Your Life meetup group. So, and, and there's some upcoming retreats, so... You know, maybe that's a opportunity for you to get away. And I'll just mention this real quick because we'll, we'll take a quick break. But if you think you don't have time to get away or you think you can't, 
you know, you can't get time off of work or if you can't, if you think you can't find someone to watch your kids or whatever, whatever you're thinking, whatever that roadblock is that is telling you, oh, you could never go on a retreat. No, you, you just can't. I'm here to tell you that you can and those obstacles are so overcomable, it's ridiculous. I've seen time and time again people who have had no business taking any time off work or away from their family and they decide to go to India for two weeks. And guess what? When they make the decision, it ends up happening. And guess what else? Their family was fine. Their kids were fine. Their work was fine. Everything ends up fine. So most of this stuff we worry about or we limit ourselves is is not real. Um, so anyhow, maybe you want to try that. Take a quick break. Thank you to one of my favorite bands, Tool. That's from the song called Disposition. So, if you have been on a retreat, you should call me and tell me about it. But you're listening to The Mystic Show. TheMysticShow.net is our website. has all the information, including the phone number. Broadcast every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. It gets, and we broadcast on the Fractal Stream. Have you listened to the Fractal Stream other than for the Mystic Show? Because we play a lot of uh, replays of different business shows and senior care shows, career shows, um, and some music. A lot of music as well in between the shows. So the Fractal Stream, that's our new radio station. And uh, we replay the Mystic Show. If you go to fractalstream.net, you'll see the schedule of all the shows and the replays and everything right there. And I am, I think today, literally today is the day I'm going to hook up the podcast archives of the Mystic Show. So pretty soon, all the shows that I've done so far are going to be up on the web. And um, I'm going to title them by what the topics we discussed on the show, which will be good because you'll be able to look at the title of the podcast and and see what we talked about and decide if you want to listen to that episode or not. So you can browse through the episodes and see the topics you want to hear about and listen to those shows. So let's talk about personality. Did you, you ever realize that we all have our own personality? Uh, that's kind of obvious. But did you ever realize that we all have many personalities? And I don't mean to say that, you know, we're all suffering from like multiple personality disorder. 
Is that a real name for for an ailment? Multiple personality disorder? It just it sounds right to me, but I don't know. Anyway. Um yeah. Think about it. In our lives, we have a lot of different areas of our lives. We have our family, we have our work, we have our play, we have our hobbies. You have your friends, you have your extended family, you have your your church or your meditation group. And if you think about it, everywhere you go, well, most people, everywhere they go, they sort of morph into a different, slightly different personality. So when you're in church, or let's say when you're in meditation group, you show one personality that might be, you know, more calm, more relaxed, more well-behaved. But let's say you're in a bar watching a football game with all your football buddies, you know, you're going to display a different personality there. You know, you might be yelling real loud, you might be aggressive, or you might be uh, using profanity. Right? So that's just Two examples of two different situations where you don a different personality. And it's interesting, I I wonder what you think of this statement, that part of our spiritual journey is to become integrated so that we have the same personality or lack of personality wherever we go whatever situation we're in. So in a way that you could think of it as the ultimate test of spiritual growth. You know, the ultimate test might be, are you able to reflect that divine inner condition? Are you able to reflect that outside in your behavior? So it's okay, we can talk about, you know, having love in our hearts and having a golden heart and a giving heart. And we could talk about meditation and, oh, my mind is very calm. But is that reflecting in our outer behavior in our life? Because plenty of times, I mean, it happens with the group that I'm associated with it happens in every religion i mean look all the like all the religions and spiritual organizations throughout the world they mean well and they teach something good hopefully and each person who practices that um want you know wants to become a better person on some level so why don't why don't each of us reflect that in our lives because there's people in every religion, every organization who are, who are, you know, their behavior is not good. They do bad things or they say bad things. And you think, well, how can they be in the religion or in the spiritual organization and do such bad things? Well, the reason is because even if on the inside they have the intention to become a more spiritual person, they're not connecting, they're not integrating their inner self, their inner divinity 
with their outer behavior. They're, they're not letting their outer behavior to be influenced by their spiritual inner growth. And that's because we're so addicted to our own personalities. And really, it's all just a manifestation of our ego. And the ego is basically, from what I've learned, the ego is the only thing that is standing between us and our ultimate spiritual goal. Because the ego is something we have built. Well, I'll use me. My ego is something I have built. You know, God or the divine or the ultimate or the universe didn't create my ego for me. They didn't hand me some ego and say, okay, this is your ego. (laughs) All I got from the universe was a pure soul. And I'm still getting that from the universe every moment. But me, on my own, I have created my ego by my thoughts and my actions and my desires. And out of that ego, I've built all these different personalities. So for me, the example was when I would go to, um, to family gatherings, okay? So this is the situation. It was several years ago. I had been, I started the meditation practice, uh, Sahaj Marg, and I personally, I jumped in with both feet and I said, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. And, and I was kind of fortunate because um, I did not have a job at the time. And our spiritual guide came to the U.S. to visit three months after I started. So I got to meet him very soon after I started, and I got to sort of travel around with him as well, because I didn't have a job. Now, is that chance? Is that fate? Is that the universe giving me what I needed at the time? I think the universe was giving me what I needed, actually. So... Anyway, I started the practice and I started very well and I continued very well. And so what happened was I was meeting all these new people, mostly from India. And I was learning a different way of life and I was learning how to, you know, be maybe a calmer person, maybe not to use profanity, maybe not to drink alcohol. You know, the list goes on and on. And... So then, picture this, I would have to go, let's say, to my family's house, my parents, and with all my brothers and sisters, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, none of my family members are practicing meditation in a spiritual organization and really trying to achieve self-realization or whatever that is. So, they, they were just being themselves. And... But I really wasn't myself anymore. I wasn't the same self that they knew I was. <laughs> right? Who's on first? What's on second? <laughs> uh, but so basically, I went, when I went to my, when I was in the presence of my family, I didn't act the same as I acted a year earlier because I had been influenced and I had been realizing that there's this ego and this personality. 
and I wanted to consciously act differently, be a better person. And, you know, there's no one definition of being a better person. It's just a feeling from inside of you that says, hey, I want to be a better person. And I know maybe I shouldn't use so much profanity or use any profanity at all, for instance. So when I went to see my family, I would come up against this interesting uh, situation where they sort of expected me to be one way, but I was a, I was a little different. But yet, I couldn't be too different because I didn't want to, in, in a way, I didn't want to upset the whole family. You know, I didn't want to sit in a corner and meditate, for instance. Or, or let's say for Thanksgiving, demand that we do this big spiritual, you know, prayer before the meal or something. Like, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to impose what I was doing on them. But at the same time, I didn't want to just continue being you know, the same old Chris that I was for years, which basically was an idiot. (laughs) You know, basically look up foolish in the dictionary and you'll see uh, Chris Curran between ages, I don't know, 14 and 31, I think, something like that. Of course, I'm still a fool, but in a different way. (laughs) Uh, And hopefully... Slowly becoming less of a fool. Although, the master has said that to be a spiritual person is the ultimate foolishness. See, that you're supposed to think about that one. <laughs> That's not supposed to make sense off the bat. You have to think about it, meditate on it. So, you know, looking around at the world, it is kind of disheartening when we see people who are claiming to be spiritual, claiming to be on a spiritual path, but then their outer behavior really doesn't reflect that. And first you can be confused, then maybe you can question why, and then maybe maybe the, that might be a little, might make you angry. That people who are supposedly good people are not acting so well. But again, everyone's on their own journey. And they're learning what they have to learn. They might not be learning as quickly as you'd like them to learn, but they are learning it. And on some level, maybe they're doing the best they can. So the personality and all the different personalities we have, um, it's part of the ego, and the ego is something we have to go beyond, right? We can't there's no way we can shatter the ego completely because we need the ego to tell us that we're alive, basically. You know, you need to say, I'm alive. So that's actually the ego, but that's just the most basic stripped down fundamental ego. And that's all we need. We don't need, I'm alive and I'm Chris Curran and I'm, you know, a drummer and I'm a great drummer and I'm a handsome great drummer. And, you know, like we, we add on all these layers of what we think we are and we should be. And, you know, people need to respect me. And, you know, wow, it's crazy how much trouble we cause ourselves. So hopefully through meditation and reading spiritual literature, 
hopefully we can, you know, break down this ego or, or at least start to see beyond it, you know, ha- have the guts to, to say, okay, what's beyond it? All right, it's fine. I'm not perfect. I'm on my way, but I'm not perfect. And this might take a while, but still, I'm curious, what's beyond it? So, so there you go. So as you go through your day, maybe be a little bit aware of your different personalities and and maybe take a step back from your personalities and just be a human being. Maybe attempt to simplify a little bit more. And of course, go to our website. (laughs) It's themysticshow.net and there's all the information there. Send us a note. Send us a love note, please. And as you move into the rest of your day, maybe you want to meditate a little bit right now. Maybe you need to get going and get into activity. That's fine, too. But always be mindful that there's deeper levels to this reality. And at the core of every person's heart is love and lightness. So as you go through your day today, keep shining.